Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have on Howie Ferguson. He is the Executive Director at the Construction Owners Association of America. Welcome, Howie. Thanks, Keelan. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. So before we get into what I brought you on here to talk about, which is the COAA way, I'm curious how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Yeah, so civil engineer, student, graduate from the University of Florida back in 1990, and and then was a naval officer for 10 years in the Navy has a civil engineer corps, still does. It's not just civil engineers, it's mechanical engineers, architects, et cetera. And it's basically a small community within the big Navy that takes care of all things, facilities, construction, et cetera. So I did that for 10 years, including a tour with the Seabees, which are kind of a famous deployable construction arm. That was cool. I did a lot of interesting things in interesting places, but Started having a family and was ready to not move around so much, so left and went to go work for my alma mater, the University of Florida, in 99, and was there, ended up being there 19 years as a assistant director, senior project manager, and the coolest part, Keelan, was getting to do a really interesting variety of projects. You think of a large college campus like that, there's all kinds of building types. I didn't get locked into one type. I got to do a, a whole bunch of different ones. And then left UF in the summer of 18 and became the executive director of COA, which was really a career change. I didn't understand the, the hugeness of it, but um, turns out there's people like, thankfully, the ladies who I work with, who make a career, they're credentialed professionals in the association management business. I didn't know that. I just was very experienced with COA as a member and a volunteer. So anyway, I've been COA's exec director since August of 18 and labor of love. Yeah. I actually didn't know that that was a, a profession either. You, <laughs> you just taught me totally something is. new. It totally is. There is, this sounds like a Seinfeld episode, but there's an association for association professionals. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I went to their event my first month on the job, and there were 7,000 attendees there. I'm like, oh, okay. You're like, I thought this was a prank, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so enlighten me. What is the Construction Owners Association of America? Yeah, so compared to other industry organizations, Keelan, that everyone's familiar with, AIA, AGC, those two in particular, they've been around for more than a century. COA is pretty young. We're only 28 this year, and we were founded by a construction law attorney based in Atlanta, which explains why our headquarters is in a suburb of Atlanta. And basically, the fellow who formed us, a guy named Al Phillips, as I said, an attorney who mostly worked in the second half of his career for owners, kind of had a light bulb moment in working for all these owners across the country of different types and sizes, where he's like, man, these people need to have an organization like the architects and engineers and contractors have where they can share best practices and learn and network and do all that good stuff. So he just took it upon himself, you know, did the paperwork, formed an LLC and co was born. Our mission is pretty simple. We exist to help owners be better owners and all that that means, better leaders of their projects, better planners, 
improving their own internal processes and being a, what we call a good owner, which basically means the kind of owner that service providers would want to work for. Yeah. Okay. And you sort of touched on this, but how did you get involved with COA? How did you become the director? Well, two-part question, even if it sounds like one. I got involved with COA as a volunteer by first just attending one of their conferences. We have two national conferences each year. Uh, I was invited to be a presenter. I thought, okay. And went and just loved it. Loved the people, loved the vibe, loved the, I say this with love because I am one, kind of the dork factor. Like okay. it's a <laughs> bunch of people like me. We're trying to do projects better. Um, right. You know, not a not a sort of boondoggle event like wink wink. I'm going to a conference. It was people who took it pretty seriously, and I like that. And then I kind of went down the slippery slope of volunteerism, right? Where you're, before you know it, you're like, wait, I have a second job that I'm not being paid for. What is this? Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? But again, I just believe in the mission so strongly. It was fun. So that's how I got involved as a volunteer. All that volunteer time led me to kind of think, and I had some colleagues in COA nudge me and say, hey, the open executive director job, you're leaving UF. Why don't you throw your hat in the ring? I'm like, I don't know how to run an association. They're like, well, you'll figure it out. You know how to be an owner. You can relate to the members. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, My first six months, Keelan, to be honest, were a little rough. I I didn't know what I didn't know. And it was a a huge learning curve. But what happened over time is that I mentioned earlier that we have a very small staff. There's just four of us. The other three are all experienced association pros. So I lean on them and I'm happy to be humble and ignorant and say, I don't know you guys, what's best practice by the same token, they lean on me because I know what it's like to be an owner and I can lead to our members. So it's a good marriage. Oh, good. So then how is COA different than other industry organizations? Yeah, I would say there's, a few things. There are a couple of others, but most organizations in our industry are not sort of owner-centric. Right. Makes sense. So that's an, kind of an obvious one. But beyond that, there's a couple of things, kind of a belief system we call the co-away. And then also really interesting, kind of unique thing we have called the Owner Training Institute. Now having training, having classes, a curriculum of classes, that's not unique at all. Every Pretty much every organization in our industry has that But I don't think anyone else has courses that are geared towards owners with content created by owners, kind of by owners, for owners. And the really cool thing, Keelan, is these classes, and there's only 13 of them. This is not a huge curriculum, but they're all meant to be delivered in person. They're one or two days with 16 or eight continuing ed credits. So it's legitimate, straight up good learning stuff. But they're all presented by a three-person team that includes an owner, a builder, and a designer. So you're getting all three perspectives, which is pretty cool. And that kind of circles back to, well, what's different about COA? Well, it's owner-centric, but we're kind of fully aware that we don't get projects done without our partners. It takes a a village, or in this case, a three-legged stool. I mean, that's kind of a founding principle of COA. I love that. So you brushed on this, but I would like to dig into it a little bit more. What is the COA way initiative? How does that affect architects, engineers, and uh, construction professionals? Yeah. Um, 
you toss the softballs and I'll take a shot at swinging at them. No, this is, <laughs> no, I love, I love this question because it's, again, it's something that I don't need crib notes for, or it's just, it's a, it's a passion. So it, the Koa way, which is actually a trademark phrase with a logo that's in the process of being registered is sort of a interesting, it's a tangible, intangible thing. Sort of, can you take a photo of it? Eh, not really. It's kind of like art, Keel, and you'll know it right. when you see it. And I actually will use crib notes and read you the formal definition, but then I'll expound with my own words. The formal definition is that it's about a team of people led by a good owner, sharing best practices in a culture built on trust and respect, that that team of people will complete better projects. So what it's really getting at is that it's all about the people. Our industry, and I know you know this, is understandably consumed and fascinated by anything and everything to help do projects better, more efficiently, more quickly, whatever, right? right? So everything from building information modeling to lean to prefab, and there's many, many other things that they're all awesome. They're helping push the ball down the field. But I believe, and a lot of our members believe that sometimes that goes too far and we forget that ultimately it's still people that deliver projects and they're not resources they're people. Maybe COVID helped remind us of that. And then more specifically, the Coalway is about, and it's mentioned in that definition, the good owner. I mentioned this earlier, the owner that folks like you or your firm would want to work for. Um, right. Good owner doesn't mean like goody two shoes or perfect. It means timely, prompt payment, and also timely with decisions. That's one of the biggest roles that owner has is making decisions and sticking to them, which can be hard. Right. You know, fairness, collaboration, transparency. One of the things when I was at UF that I tried to do is be as, to the extent I could, as open with information about a project when we were advertising, you know, soliciting for AE teams or CMs or whatever. On everything we knew about the project and everything we didn't know. A lot of times right. an owner would be, like, well, you know, we don't, want, we don't want to tell them we don't know this because we would show we're stupid. No, no, it's the opposite. You want to reveal everything because then you're probably going to get better teams that are better understanding of what your needs really are. Right. Like, hey, we can scratch that itch if you just tell us about it. So all of right. that is encompassed in this thing called the Coway. The coolest part, Keelan, is it's not something that was invented by you know, marketing from an ad agency or something like, oh yeah, that'll, that'll attract some people. No, it just right. always existed around COA. It just took us a while to put a name to it and come up right. with a little definition and a logo. It yeah. Here. Oh, very good. So I think it's pretty clear how then that would benefit your design teams, whether they're architects or engineers or contractors. I like that it's very team focused and one of the things that I picked up on there that I actually, I worked with someone who was very touchy about this is calling people resources. I really like that you said that because so often, at least in proposals that I've worked on, we say that we have lots of resources and we're referring to people and people are professionals. They're not like resources. So right. I, I like that you, <laughs> that you called that out. Yeah. And, you know, you can go too far with that and be oversensitive or whatever. But again, it's just, it's about the people. Right. Um, and and to take it a step further, Keelan, even though you didn't ask me to, it's, it's and I know you know this because you've, you've been there, you've been part of project teams. If you think about it, our industry gets compared usually unfavorably to manufacturing a lot. Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, the, 
uh, all the different metrics and, you know, construction is always lagging with this and that. Well, okay, it's an unfair comparison because guess what? Manufacturing, they get to produce something a trillion times and make sure it's perfect. And then they mass produce it. We get one shot literally every single time with a completely different, usually set of people trying to pull off this project, whether it's a, a small project or a humongous project you really pull the camera back and think about it. That's pretty fascinating. We're going to pull together this group of people, hundreds of people for a bigger project and do this project one time and one time only. And it has to be perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, so you better have some good relationships and trust and all that people stuff and soft skills totally matters. All that is wrapped up in this thing called the go away. Perfect. So then what advice would you give our AEC professionals, so our architects, engineers, contractors, and even sort of trickles down to marketing as well. What would you give them in terms of what you've seen in the industry? Because you've been on the owner side, you're now an executive director of this association. It sounds almost cliche, but I firmly believe it and I've seen it. And a couple answers, Keelan. One is be yourself. You know, for people who are really paying attention and have a good, pardon the phrase, but BS meter, mm-hmm. I can kind of tell personally, and I think a lot of other owners who are kind of experienced and have done lots of interviews and proposal readings, when it's kind of faked or I don't want to say wolf in sheep's clothing, but be yourself. I just yeah. leave it at that. If this particular project is your company's strong suit, swing for the fences, go for it. But don't apply for every single project. Don't try to pretend that you're this when you're really not this. Yeah. And just be yourself. That goes all the way down to, I mean, thinking about like a construction manager, bringing in a team of five to eight people or something for an interview. And this is classic, but it, you know, very common. Typically, the superintendent is, and there's exceptions, of course, but a lot of times they're the most uncomfortable in their dressed up outfit, whatever that is, and kind of not really into the whole dog and pony show thing and whatever. But usually, I mean, that's typically the most important person on any project ever, right? I mean, that's right. my experience. And so I always tried to kind of like say, relax, man, just be yourself. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Maybe watch the F-bombs, but otherwise, <laughs> you know, um, don't, so it's relax and be who you are. That would be my number one piece of advice. I've always personally felt that, especially in the interview setting, you as the owner actually get to pick your coworkers. And the advice that I've always given, you can tell me if this is off or not, but just be someone that they'd want to work with. Like they get to pick their coworker, be the coworker that they want. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny you're saying that, Keelan, because it's the the same thing I'm saying about when you asked me about the co-away. Right. Hey, owners, be the kind of owner that the Keelans of the world want to work with. Same right. thing. And, and you're right, Keelan. If it's a, a decent sized project and you're picking, let's say, the AE design team, you'll be working with these people for, I don't know, two, three, five years or something. Right. There better be some chemistry. And that's the part that's hard, of course, about interviews, especially in the last two years where a lot of them have been virtual. It's harder sure. to pick up on you know, chemistry and uh, interpersonal, all that kind of stuff, but it matters. Of course, you got to be technically qualified and know your stuff. And if it's some special building type, you better know the P's and Q's of that. But 
gosh, at the end of the day, usually my experience is by the time you get to a short list, you've kind of narrowed it to those who are technically capable. And now it's about who do you want to work with? Right. So while we're on this topic, based on your own personal experience, what have you seen as effective versus ineffective practices when selecting a team? Effective by the presenting teams. Yes. Um, yeah, I would say for the written part, and I'm thinking like, I know there's, of course, exceptions and all owners do things differently. But if you think about a typical kind of two-step process where there's a written proposal, some sort of narrowing, shortlisting, and then an in-person or virtual interview, that's kind of the model I'm thinking about when, because yeah. that's my most of my experience. In the written part, Keelan, I would say less is more. A lot okay. of times, and, and some of this is on owners who ask, too much. They ask for too much info. They ask too many questions. And it's like, we actually get into this in some, several of our owner training institute classes, because we can kind of speak very bluntly to these owners and say, you know, don't ask 50 questions. If you don't I mean, are you really going to have time to read 50 answers? I'm yeah. exaggerating for effect, but you know, if you get 15 proposals or 10, but that's a lot of reading. Are you really yeah. going to read? Like, just stop it. Just ask what matters. <laughs> Okay, so it's partially on the owners, but on the proposer's side, it's like, this is not an essay writing contest. Stop it with the 17 paragraph answers that probably weren't even written by anyone who's going to actually work on the project. You know what I mean? That yeah. kind of thing. Of course, there needs to, you know, needs to be good spelling, punctuation, grammar, all that stuff. Somebody should QC it, but keep it simple. That's advice number one. Keep it short. Less is more yeah. when it comes to the written part. That'd be my advice. When it comes to the in-person part, I'll answer it eventually, but I'll also share an experience from, from my time at UF, which was, if you don't know, in the state of Florida, we have this thing called the Sunshine Law, which basically okay. makes everything we did at UF subject to being out in the open. We had people who would come to interviews who either didn't apply for the job, did apply for the job, didn't get shortlisted. We've even had people who shortlisted and they sit in on, sat in on someone else's interview, which I found really weird and awkward but anyway mm -hmm. so we were very painfully open transparent right and partially because of that but also because we were tired of getting apples and kumquats and grapes in a presentation because we just said something very broad and vague like okay here's your time on such and such date you have an hour see you then right you know, and then no wonder we got like well these guys went ahead and literally designed the whole building these guys are just talking about their process and how they would do it and these mm -hmm. guys are sort of in the middle. And meanwhile, our user group, which was typically part of a selection committee, are baffled. They're like, how do I judge between, I like these guys because they went ahead and designed it. And of course, I would be like, no, we don't like those guys because first of all, it's, it's kind of presumptive for them to design the building. Anyway, learning from all of that, we changed and became very prescriptive in the interviews phase, right. which... Seems kind of anal, but most folks really liked it because now it's a level playing field. We're saying, okay, here's exactly who to bring and who not to bring. Here's exactly what we want you to talk about. Don't design the building. Do this. Don't do that. So it became very sort of structured. Right. But, but most folks on your side of the table like that. Okay, cool. Now I know that we're going to be judged based on the same sort of things that everyone else is doing. That's when it became a lot better. And so given all of that experience, Keelan, I would say provide and or talk about or present only what was asked. Again, I'm just thinking of examples. We would have a CM come in and say, 
just sort of show how awesome and powerful and knowledgeable they are. Well, hey, we went ahead and did a, an estimate of your project. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. How could you have done that? I know more about the project than you do at this point, And there's no way I could do an estimate besides right. a rough gross square foot thing. You know what I mean? It's like, stop. It's like trying too hard. Just sure. again, be yourself and ask, answer what was asked and don't go on and on. That's kind of my advice. So on the flip side, then, if if you're giving advice to owners, what would you say are ineffective versus effective strategies to selecting the right teams? Yeah. And, and again, I, I hinted at this, but we have two entire all day courses in this owner training institute just on this design team selection, construction team selection, best practices. Okay. And there's all kinds of good nuggets in there. Keelan, and again, presented by three people. So you get three perspectives, but yeah, there's stuff in there. Some of which I've already kind of hinted at, like for the written proposal or RFQ kind of phase, keep it to what really matters. I think especially governmental folks, it's almost like they go to a conference or they borrow from someone else and, oh, yeah, yeah, let's ask for that. Let's get the EMR right thing and, the, and this and that. And they, they pack these RFPs or RFQs with so much stuff. Like, wait, do you, are you really going to review all of that? Right. Are you going to call 10 references? Do you really need to? You know, so it's, it's like, look, keep it, narrow it to what's, what's necessary and try to have some level of, if not empathy, some sort of sensitivity to the time that those proposing in your projects are going to put into this, be that owner they want to work for and make it where they're not having to kill several trees just to answer your RFP. And then again, I would say the thing I just shared with you from my experience, Keelan would be a piece of advice to owners is if you want to get more out of the interview phase, consider making it more prescriptive. Again, right. it, may, it may sound like it's, gosh, that's awfully controlling and anal, okay, but you're trying to judge what could be three, four, five very different teams. Wouldn't you want to do it using kind of the same criteria and having them all sort of talk about the same stuff so you then can compare, ooh, I like their approach best. Now, these guys, their approach could work, but it may not work as well as that kind of a thing. So that would be the two pieces of advice. Keep it simple on the written side and be prescriptive on the interview side. I love that. So I can think of, a handful of owners that I would like to nominate to be part of COA. So how, to... <laughs> <Nominate>. <laughs> how do you recruit? Like, how do you get owners to know about COA to be involved in COA? Because again, I can think of several who could really use a good old training. Yeah. And you're in a tough spot, Keelan. I've had this exact conversation with several we call and I should have said this earlier. So those who provide services to owners, builders, designers, software vendors, construction law, they're members too. We call them associates, basically okay. non-members. I love that you use the word nominate. I've had this very conversation with some of those associate members who were like, oh my God, this client who I won't tell you who they are, mm. but we love working for them, you know, because they have great projects and they pay well, but they really couldn't manage their way out of a box. We basically have to do it for them. And man, they could use some COA up in their life, but it's hard for me, they say, to tell them that, right? How do you say, listen, uh, we love working for you, but you kind of suck as an owner. Can you maybe check <laughs> out COA? Um, yep. It's tough. But what you're getting at, Keelan, is the key to our growth and success are the associates. Because owners typically don't know a lot of other owners, unless they happen to be involved you know, through other organizations or whatever. It's typically 
the folks who are doing the designing and building and commissioning and all that kind of stuff, they're the ones who know more owners. So that's why it's key for us. The tricky part for y'all is exactly what you just hit on. How do you sort of bring them in? Now, having said that, because your broader question is, how do you go about recruiting? Well, by doing things like talking to you. Sure. Uh, we have a relationship with ENR in the last year, which has been great, where we kind of cross-market each other. They are striving to get more owners as subscribers or what they now call members. Mm-hmm. And so they've kind of cozied up with us and they're running promos for COA and ENR, which of course is everyone knows ENR. And of course we have mass mailings, e-blast promotions, a good website, all that kind of social media. Well, we're getting there. And so we're a little slow on growing the social media footprint, but we're getting there, especially on LinkedIn. But all of that word of mouth, it's kind of just a grassroots thing, really. Sure. Perfect. Okay. Well, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you or even know more about COA, where should I direct them? Yeah. So COA.org, O-R-G is the website. We think it's pretty good. We just updated our AMS, our Association Management System and website a couple of years ago and are, are proud of it. So you can poke around there and find out all kinds of stuff, including deeper dives on the COA way, the Owner Training Institute. But there's a contact us page that lists the the tiny little staff of four, including me, and my email address is there. Uh, so that's probably the best way. And we are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my, my pleasure, Keelan. Thanks for having me. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. Thank you so much, Howie, for introducing us to the COA way. And if you ever get that nomination form up, please let us know. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.